Welcome along to episode 763 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, Linda Matthews, one of the drag artists of the Ladies' Night, taking place at the Hangar in Wolverhampton on the 16th of February. It's a long to let us know more about the show. We'll be catching up with Jack Skipper to find out how we do sometimes get butterflies in our stomachs when it comes to those big events in our life and how a good night's sleep can help if you're at a premiere in. Alex James Haddon lets us know what it's like to be Clyde in Bonnie and Clyde. We'll be hearing from Mike Dixon at Hogglepets all about their open day on the 15th of February. February. Nick Wallace lets us know about the post office scandal, The Inside Story, which is a tour making its way across the UK and stops off a few times in the Midlands. Sam Rayburn is along to let us know all about the variety night taking place at the Litchfield Garrick. And we'll be hearing from Sean Wilson. Uh, he, who played Martin Platt, is now a purveyor of cheese. We're finding out how important it is to get your accounts right in these circumstances too. That's all on the way on the show this week. Welcome to the Milk Bar. 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 Now, Sam Rayburn has a big Boston variety show coming up at Litchfield's Garrick Theatre. It's taking place on Sunday, the 10th of March, and it's going to be amazing. It's got to be. Sam's in it. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? And thanks for that. That was nice. It's going to be a big event. Uh, you're going to be down there, as you've got some very special guests too. I have. Um, so I've been talking a while with the theatre about doing this, and finally we get around to doing it. I don't think variety nights happen like they used to anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're in Blackpool, maybe down in the, the Quoma Piers, there are still ones happening. But as far as I know, around Litchfield and the Midlands, there's burlesque nights all over the place, but true variety nights just don't seem to be a thing which i think is such a shame so i was talking and i said let's try and put one on let's see whether we can sell one and at the moment i mean it's great we've probably we've got under 100 seats left which is such a nice thing to have um for my first variety night that i'm putting on and yes i've got some amazing friends i wanted it to be my variety night with people that i knew and my people that i've seen or worked with um so I've hand-selected some amazing variety acts. And as I say, I wanted to be proper variety. So I've got comedy, I've got speciality acts, I've got singers, and I've got magicians. And it's going to be a good night. I mean, you've got Mrs. Barbara Nice now. Of course, that's already a good start. You've seen her on telly on numerous things, it, from Max and Paddy all the way through. So she's just absolute comedy gold, isn't she? She's great. I first saw Barbara in, if you remember, The Newt in Birmingham. Mm-hmm under the ramp and uh, she was booked for a, a, a night there but for some reason I don't know what had happened but nobody 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 was around but she wasn't phased she got a quiz with her she did a quiz and we became quite good pals from that and I've seen her um, in some other uh, like burlesque nights she does some bonkers stuff but I've seen her three or four times at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And since then, I've wanted to work with her properly. Um, she just makes my sides ache from laughing because it's just fun bonkers silly entertainment on top of that talking to bonkers you've got max fulham now this is a gentleman uh with his uh, his friends uh as a ventriloquist uh who were with you in the panto that never quite was the panto that we won't yeah we don't like i don't like to talk some people really like to talk about it but for me it was 
It just wasn't the same. Well, it obviously wasn't the same, but um, I just, yeah, it was hard. But I had such fun times trying to put it on with Max, with Lorraine Brown, um, with Victoria as well. It was so nice. And Max and me have become quite good friends. And again, when I was putting on this variety, Max was one of the top people on my list that I wanted. And he was free, so I booked him. And uh, he probably... I'm not saying this because he's my mate or anything, but he's one of the best ventriloquists in the country. Like some of the stuff he's doing is phenomenal. And yeah, he's got some mates he'll bring along with him. So I'm really excited for Max. So that's going to be good fun. And then some music too with uh, Kiki DeVille. Yes. Have you seen her? I haven't actually. This is new to me. So explain more. No, so Kiki is an Australian powerhouse. She's amazing. So she has done the voice. Uh, she's been in England for about 10 years now. So she's a UK resident, but uh, she's from Australia originally. She is a, she's just got such a good voice. Um, and most recently she did a star, was it starstruck uh, where three people pretended to put stars in your eyes, yes, but three people were being the person. Uh, and she was a bet Midler and that, uh, but yeah, she has got such a nice voice and she's just funny as well. So she's going to be great. Great. Just again, adding variety. So it's not just three stand-up comics. We've got, we've got comedy from Barbara. We've got ventriloquist Max. We've got um, Tiki singing. And of course, do you want to introduce him or shall I keep going? Well, well, she will say Mark James is there too. Now, this is a man who is exceptionally talented in the world of magic. He is. He's. I, I, I was. When I, I wanted a magician, and when you say magic these days on stage, you think of big shows with multiple uh, assistants, and I wanted something a bit different. So he does a lot of vaudeville style magic, and he takes stuff back to how magic used to be on those little one man road shows. He does like the cigar boxes. He does. I mean. I, I don't want to, hopefully he won't be doing too much gory stuff, but I have seen him do the nail of the nose business, which I don't like the look of. Um, but it's proper old school magic, and it's he's very, very talented. And you're just going to hang around and watch the show? Well, yeah, no, basically, I'm just I'm having a lovely time watching some of my best friends do some amazing things on stage. Well, it's such a it's such a pleasure for me. So I'll be hosting it. Uh, so I've got a few things I'm going to be doing. Uh, people often only really see me as a day at the garrick so it's going to be a nice little treat to be in trousers for me so i haven't got to be there two hours before putting my face on or anything um so yeah i'm really looking forward to it as you said it's mother's day so it's a nice little mother's day treat um i was looking at tickets earlier when when i was coming to have to chat with you there's only six seats left downstairs there's a mm. solitary seat left in one of the boxes. And then there's a few left. There's about probably 60 seats, not even that, left up in the circle. Uh, so if you do want tickets, you need to get them. Absolutely. Be quick. 01543 com, And uh, you've also got the opportunity to nip in and get them in real life if you want to pop along you to Garrick. Cool. The box office is open and everything. Yeah. Seven o'clock on Sunday, the 10th of March. And a great way of uh, surprising your mother with some tickets in the morning and then take her to the show and buy a popcorn and an ice cream of the night. Leaning, leaning, because I don't know whether I'm meant to say this, but I'm going to. We do have another one. We got. We were so happy with how this one has sold already. We've booked another one in. So the next Ooh. one, date for your diary, Sunday the twenty second of September is our next one. I can't tell you any more. Can't tell you who's mm-hmm. in it, but again, it's going to be a nice treat, a full on variety night. Well, it's going to be absolutely amazing. If you're involved, Sam, we know it's going to be good. It's going to be funny. It'll be entertaining. And thank it'll you. be a joy for everyone to see. So uh, thank you for letting us know about it. Have a brilliant time. Break a leg and uh, wear some unusual looking shorts, judging by the state of the uh, the poster. 
<laughs> I might have a usual-looking trouser suit instead. Who knows? Get you. I don't know. Fashion every every step of the way. Sam Rayburn, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Now, having seen season two of The Traitors conclude, there's been many a familiar face popping up from season one as well. One of those is Faye, Faye Greaves, who joins me now. Hello. Hi, hi. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Very well, yes. And uh, probably a, a much more relaxed viewing of season two of The Traitors than when the original series went out for you. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, when season one went out, we didn't know what they were going to show. Mm -hmm. so we knew that we were involved. Um, those of us that got far, I got to episode 10 of 12. So I knew about all the banishments. I knew about all the murders. However, I didn't know how they were going to edit it. So, yeah. Because it, it is an interesting experience to be part of. And as far as reality TV goes, I mean, this is one of the the, the nicer ones in many ways, uh, but also it can be really disturbing because it, it's a very psychological game, isn't it? Oh, God, more than psychological. Yeah, absolutely. You're thinking 24-7, trust me. Now, obviously, it's the excitement of the, the cash prize, but most people going into these know that there's a, a relatively small chance of them being part of that final cash prize because at the, the most it's going to be three, possibly four people who get to share a jackpot. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, if, there, if there's a traitor there, you know it could be taken away from you at a moment's notice. And you, you, you spend the whole time trying to work out who's just playing a game and who your mates are. And it's interesting you say that because when you go in there, and I was chosen as a faithful you think that you've got the majority. Yeah, there's, we've got the majority vote. So there's 18 of us, or at the time, I think Kieran and Amos had gone. So that put it down to 23 traitors. So there were 17 of us thinking, oh, this will be a piece of cake. 17 of us to find three traitors. But the truth is, it was a bloody nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and a big part of it is as well, those who are traitors, even in this season when it was checked to see whether they felt able to be a traitor as part of the show, it, yeah. it, they are not there by choice as a traitor. They have been selected. And it, it does make it a, an interesting dynamic when people think, oh, they, oh, they could be a traitor. Well, they, But it wouldn't have been their choice whatever happened. No, and I think um, when you fill the application out, there are boxes that say, what would you prefer? So... Yes, all of that's taken into consideration. However, that doesn't mean that's going to happen because I'm sure this year, particularly when I was looking at the um, interviews with Claudia, most of them wanted to be traitors. About 80% of them said, I want to be a traitor. You know, but only three, four of them got to be a traitor. Um, I think throughout the whole show, I think they might have had six traitors or something like that on record. Yeah. But it, it, it is intriguing though when it comes to the sort of environment that you're in because i mean there's so much stuff i want to ask you about but i mean for, for, for you from your point of view uh obviously when you applied you didn't know the show and i think uh, we've, we've seen it with big brother the dynamic of the sort of people who apply changes when mm -hmm. they've already seen a, a, a show go out and I, I think that was one thing that was quite telling when we first met them. But actually, some of that seemed to die away a little bit afterwards because it is the pool of people who apply that are interesting. And, and what drove you to do that as a complete unknown environment in the first place? Yeah, that's a good question because 
I was looking to um, exit my education um, profession after 30 years. So I was working in a school and the same establishment. And um, I just felt it was right for me to look at what else can I do? Because I thought, I don't know anything else. This application dropped in my inbox. I had a look at it and I was so intrigued. I thought, wow, 22 people in the Highlands. And I knew it was Scotland. And I thought, I've never been to Scotland. And it had all the mystery around it. They didn't give a lot away, but they kind of just said that, you know, you would be deceitful. Can you lie? Can you spot someone who's lying? And I thought, yeah, I'm working in a job with kids because I can spot someone that's lying, <laughs> you know. And um, you're right. We didn't know what we were um, putting ourselves in for. And, um, oh, my goodness, it was it was an experience of a lifetime. I would say that, honestly. Mm. Yeah, because when you then see the edit, obviously, on, on any one day, and because of the gap between when it happens and when it screens, there'll be some bits that you'll think, did that happen? But uh, it, the narrative on the edit is very much geared towards what the outcome of that day's uh, uh, banishment or or murder is uh, is likely to be. And there's a lot more that happens, and there are many more conversations, but it's uh, the magic of television is getting a flavour of that and bringing it to life the way they do. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. And I imagine they work backwards. That's how I imagine they do it. So they start from the back, the last day, and then do everything backwards because that then, like you said, they know which characters to bring into play because they know when they're going to be murdered or banished. Mm. So it's very clever. Very clever the way they've done it, yeah. And it allows the story to be told. And I always worried when we started to get the background on somebody at the start of an episode that they weren't going to be with us by the end. And if it's one of your favourites, it's really okay. disappointing. Yeah, or the background could be that they're going to go all the way to the end. You know, you just mm -hmm. don't know, do you? But, no. um, yeah, they're on a winner. They're on a winner. Yeah. And yeah. Well, they say it, uh, if you thought they could do one series and not do a second, actually, it's worked so well. It's been brilliant this time round. And Darwin, did you have a favourite this time? Who you were, were edging on to go and win? Because I, I wanted Harry to win because he seemed like such a nice guy, even though we knew what he had to do to play the game. Yes, I did. I had a couple of favourites. I loved Ash in the beginning as a traitor, but I thought, God, she's too nice to be a traitor. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but. I just felt that she would give it away because she looked so nice, you know. Mm -hmm. You kind of imagine a traitor, someone who's quite, you know, you know, <laughs> straight-faced <laughs> and not so warm. And I know all of them are doing it. You know, they did a bloody good job. But um, Jazz, the Oracle man, I know they call him Jazz. Was it Jazz? Jazz the Christie. Jazz the Christie, but I called him Jazz the Oracle man. He was... <laughs> incredible from day one he knew that Paul was a traitor he was on to him and then he was on to Ross without even realizing that Ross would have been recruited and Harry he was on to Harry he was just really good really good yeah, and, and it's it's interesting to see people interact in this way because it's it's almost like you know, office politics, but next level, isn't it? Oh God, yeah, it's yeah, it's like throwing twenty two people, like you said, from your workplace over a weekend and saying get on with it, you know, <laughs> and you have to sit round the table and discuss each other once a day, you know. Huh. 
But I mean, what was it like for you as an experience then? I mean, you, you've come away from it with a certainly a very positive attitude towards it, and uh, you know, the, the, with the with the care that's there, and and the fact that it's it is played as a game, and I'm sure you're reminded about that as you go along, even though there's a big cash prize. It was it certainly something which is a highlight of your life. Oh, 100%, Jason. You see, you have to know why you went in it. I know why I went in there. I personally, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't go in there for the £120,000. However, if someone said, there you go, they're gifting me that, I wouldn't say no. But I went in there to see if I could do something different. I wanted to be out of my comfort zone. You know, I don't like water particularly. And there was a couple of occasions where we had to go in a river and all sorts and, you know, and just mingling with people that you'd never met before. You had to get to know them. However, you didn't know whether you trusted them. And that was the that was the the difficult thing because we made some fantastic bonds inside there. But um you know, at that time, you're not thinking all the time that they're a traitor. You're mm -hmm. just thinking you're a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> and which traitor was it you were most friends with and, and probably most surprised by? I, I, in there, I was very close to a, a handful. So I was close with Alyssa. She was a traitor in originally. Amanda, she was a traitor. Um, <laughs> Will and I got on very well in there because we didn't hang out much, but he supports Liverpool and so do I. So he knew that. So we got, had a good rapport. Um, Maddie got on very well with Maddie in there. Maddie and I sort of did quite a bit together in the daytime and hung out and um, Andrea occasionally. But I didn't, you know, they were the main people that were there sort of thing that yeah. you sort of confided in <laughs> <laughs> but it's a whole different world and again it's it's one of those things you have to remember it's a game and everyone's playing and the number of times i think i've shared that but it's just a game you know when it's or they're, they're, they're someone implies someone is terrible for being a traitor but it's part of the reason for being there and, and part of the the reason the magic works so well yeah absolutely and yeah you have to have that mindset to say it's a game you can't take it personally. However, you do when someone's pointing the finger at you at the round table. It's not a nice feeling because I had that happen to me, I think, episode one or two mm -hmm. at the round table. And that was the only time. But wow, some people had the finger pointed at them every round table. And that can really get to you eventually. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what was it like working with uh, Claudia? Because she comes across so well on the show. She's amazing. You can tell that she's in it with us, the way she comes across, you know, and um, she has empathy for those that have been banished, murdered, etc. And um, I always tell the story of the church when I went into, we were doing a um, mission in a church and it was so cold and Claudia came in with her entourage and she was carrying this lovely hot water bottle and she had her mittens on. And she looked at me and she said, you look very cold. She said, here, have my hot water bottle. Give it back to me when you're finished. And I thought, wow, you know. And, yeah, she's lovely. And she, she was, she, I think she wanted to be with us more than she mm -hmm. could. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's brilliant TV, and I know you must be so proud of being part of it, and so proud of the fact you've been able to use the platform that you had uh, to be ambassador for a couple of great charities too. Yes, the NSPCC campaigner for them, um, a company called Ripple Suicide Prevention and Ambassador, 
I'm now an ambassador for Delalio Rugby Works. Um, that's Lawrence Delalio, the rugby player. And um, I sit on the board of an SEMH, which is a social, emotional, mental health organisation called Elements. And they're in Birmingham. And I host a podcast called The Uncut. So goodness me, you know, this is someone who's taken a step away from education. I'm busier than I ever was. <laughs> Absolutely. was well, having a good time with it too, which is what counts. And uh, using uh, that for good and using an amazing experience on TV uh, to uh, LA to, uh, to to do even more and, and and look after more people the same way as you see. You were, you were one of those people in there who, yeah, if, if someone needed to talk, you were there for them, weren't you? Absolutely, yeah. And I think I'm, I'm a reflective person because of the work that I've done for many years and you have to be a reflective person. And, um, yeah, I made some nice bonds while I was in there, although it they were with the wrong people, let's say. Mm. Now, right people, wrong reasons. Yeah. That yeah. for me, because they're, yeah. they're with, with, with the traitorish element that was there. But as I say, yeah. they're special people who, again, were just there to do a job. Yeah, absolutely. Where do we yeah. find you on all the socials? Well, I'm, a, I'm mainly, I do have a Twitter account, which is the same as my Instagram account, which is at Radio Girls with G-I-R-L-Z on the end. And um, that's the main accounts that I use. And well, I've got a LinkedIn account, but that's totally different. Yeah, We can just find you by searching for Faye Greaves on there. And, uh, yeah. of course, look out for the uh, the podcast as well. Remind us the details of where we find that. That is on my handle. So if you go to Instagram, on the top, on my profile, you can just follow us on there. Pick the a link and away you go. Well, yeah. absolutely fantastic speaking to you. Thank you for some great TV in season one of The Traitors. Still available on iPlayer if you haven't seen it yet. You can see the uh, the, the magic that uh, came together for the first time. Faye Greaves, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Jason. As somebody who's no stranger to musical theatre, is at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 5th through to the 9th of May, as Clyde in Bonnie and Clyde. Alex James Hatton joins me now. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. And as we speak, I hope we find you well and uh, looking forward to being on the run. Absolutely buzzing. Yeah, really, really exciting. Uh, times ahead. We've got uh, a lot of venues to cover, a lot of cities to explore, and I'm really looking forward to it, yeah. And I mean, you, touring is a thing that you've done more than amply in the past, even in your tender years. So, I mean, what are your, what's your favourite bit about being out on the road? I think just exploring different cities, to be honest. I know that sounds really quite uh, like an, an, an average answer, but I think it really is true. Like seeing different parts of the UK is so important because we get caught up in our little bubble uh, in London and it's so it's so good to go and explore I also do love finding a good little brunch spot in all the different cities that's one of my like mm-hmm. go-to things to do and uh and I'm a, I'm a football fan so I do like to go and see um other football games at other stadiums if I get the chance to as well which is always a which is always a bonus so you'll be checking the fixture list when you haven't got a matinee just in case but uh, <laughs> it, it it is already obviously a big show that really does take up an awful lot of your time here because uh, uh, it, it is something which I mean award-winning West End transferred off to offer around and abouts in the UK so you, you know you're taking something out there which is tried and tested yeah definitely I mean it's a, it's a certified hit for sure I mean it won the What's on Stage Award, a creative team are Emmy nominated, Oscar winning, like it's it's mental. So um 
I have no doubt that I'm in good hands with the show. The show is is great, and the cast album has just been released um, as well. So there's lots lots to be looking forward to with this show. It's it's fantastic. But a smart look as well. I think the look here is quite important, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love that kind of 1920s, 1930s uh, image. It's it's so cool. I, and the high-waisted trousers, it's wicked. I love it. <laughs> so uh, we, we know you'll be borrowing the costume for uh, when you're out and about uh, yeah, clubbing, <laughs> that sort of thing. But... Uh, yeah. <laughs> with with the music that is featured here, um, obviously it's it's all new, isn't it? This is something which has uh, really uh, been accepted and loved by every audience has been to see it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's um, it's really interesting, actually. Frank uh, Wildhorn, who wrote the score, has written something so contemporary and like you know rocky, jazzy, um, poppy, and then to slap that on a 1920s setting is really it's really cool and the music is it's a bit of a marathon it's a big old thing but it's it's so exciting and like so like alive and intense and uh if anyone hasn't listened to it listen to the london cast recording because it is it's really really cool and i cannot wait to sing it every week <laughs> and is there a, a standout song that you like to listen to do you think for based on what you've heard so far um that's a really good question. My favourite song to listen to and probably to sing as well, actually, is uh, Too Late to Turn Back Now. It's an absolute bop. I love it. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. It's proper rock and roll and um, it's good fun to do, yeah. And and again, the, the, it's this is sounding like there's lots of different things juxtaposed throughout the whole show, yet at the same time of telling a story of two rather naughty criminals on the run. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, really. And it's so interesting that they are so loved and still so adored in some respect. Um, I think, you know, it's just the story of two young, you know, misfits in a way, um, and they find love. And they go on this journey together. And yes, they are doing a lot of wrong, but I think in their heads, they're doing it for the right reasons. Uh, and they get caught up in all sorts of trouble. And of course, it's a true story. So, you know, we, we can only go by the facts, but but it's but it's fascinating. I think um, it's a really it's a really interesting story and people should mm -hmm. definitely come to check it out if they don't know Bonnie and Clyde already, for sure. Yeah, there were less musical numbers when it was all happening and the press in the US were following it. And I mean, it, it, the fact it comes from a time, though, where it was a, a press story on paper as well that, that told these tales. And again, I think that's got some sort of magic to it. You almost think about bringing it into the same sort of era now and you'd be expecting Bonnie and Clyde to be blogging and vlogging as they went along, wouldn't you? It's so funny you say that. We literally um, had this conversation in rehearsals Um about you know if this was modern day it would be all over tiktok it would be all over instagram people would be posting their pictures uh people would be able to develop um opinions and lose care so quickly whereas back then that's the newspapers is all they had to go on and it was exciting because it was so new and fresh especially bonnie um was someone who you know as a female who an attractive female back in the day, they thought there's no way she was so taboo to be doing these things. It was so interesting for people. And it became, you know, quite a cult, such a following, which is which is mad considering they were criminals, you know? And tell us a, a bit about your Bonnie, because uh, Katie's uh, done, again, more amazing musicals, uh, like the likes of Bat Ahead of Hell. Yeah, she's amazing. I mean, people are in for a, a proper treat. 
uh, getting to see her perform. Her voice is is beautiful and she's so lovely. And I cannot wait to go on the road with her and, and do this and play opposite her every night. And um, yeah, she's already, we've only had um, a short amount of rehearsals so far, but we feel so comfortable, so lovely. She's such a lovely girl. And yeah, I'm really excited to be doing this with her. She's she's a big talent and I'm I'm excited to, to yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, about how huge shows we've been in. Um, you've done Heather's. We've got basically the dream lineup but with, with dream lovers. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, 100%, you're so right. I mean, I've done Book of Mormon as well. So you, if you throw that one in the mix, it starts to sound a bit weird, doesn't it? But uh, <laughs> we'll still, we'll still <laughs> everything's a little bit different and it's all part of the uh, the rich tapestry of being a musical theatre performer but again it, it's that talent and that versatility that makes these roles so exciting and again I think we've got that in this sort of electrifying role and a great supporting cast around you as well and uh, I, I know that uh, yeah, with the ensemble and uh, everybody else who helps to tell this story this is going to really bring it to life and you know, if pe people know sort of the beginning the end and uh, may not have uh, yeah, picked up on the, on the whole table this is actually going to have some insights too isn't it about little bits they wouldn't necessarily have known Oh 100% I mean the um, the writing is is fantastic and the the level of research the cast have done and like we found old diary excerpts and stuff um uh, and seen recordings and footage and read up so much on it there's so little there's so many little easter eggs and nuggets of information that people won't have seen about bonnie and clyde before um and it which is obviously really interesting and as you said they're like the supporting cast are just outstanding um we've got such a, a great bunch um to go on the road with and it's it's a really exciting time yeah Cool. Bonnie and Clyde are folk heroes and felons and everything else in between. It is the 5th of March through to the 9th. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. 01902 429212, the box office number. Grab your tickets. Go along, see a show which is, I mean, it's guaranteed to have some some laughs, some moments of tears, the, the love and amazing music all thrown in for good measure. It's got it all. It's got it all. Get your tickets. Alex James Hatton, a.k.a. Clyde of Bonnie and Clyde. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you for having me. Cheers. The post office scandal, the inside story, is currently making its way around theatres across the UK. The tour actually gets going in mid to late March. The 24th of March is its first stop off in the Midlands, and that's over at the Litchfield Garrick. To tell us more about how the show came about and what you can expect to see, I'm joined now by Nick Wallace. Hello, sir. Hi there. The post office scandal itself is something that I had heard about some time ago, mostly, I think, through your work. Uh, there was talk about it on Radio 4 and beyond. And uh, I have to admit, until the recent TV documentary, I thought it had been pretty much put to bed. But that certainly isn't the case. And it's still something which is horrendous and ongoing for those involved. Yeah, I think there was a particular point at which the um, public became aware of the story, which was on the 23rd of April 2021, when so many sub-postmasters had their convictions quashed. And then very shortly afterwards, the government announced that there would be compensation for those sub-postmasters, which I think had the effect of persuading the public that everyone had got their convictions quashed and everyone was getting compensation, which sadly was not the case. And uh, it's been something that I've been plugging away at and the victims have been plugging away at saying, look, we still haven't had proper redress. There are still so many people who need to get their convictions quashed. This scandal is, is ongoing. And it was the drama that actually brought all that home to, to, to people and allowed the news media 
because of the outrage from the public and the appetite now for this story to start actually telling people exactly what was going on. And you know, trying to get an understanding of how this could have happened in the first place. The background that we hear about the faults in this system, which were only a small part of the problem, it was bigger than just the fact that information could be changed. And the so many people... It, it, it didn't ring alarm bells when you know, so many people you would are in a position of trust suddenly all at the same time seem to be on the take. Yeah, I mean, the system didn't work. That's 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 the fundamental problem with the Horizon IT system, that the cash accounting program, which underlay all the software, didn't add up properly and the data integrity couldn't be trusted. And there was a recommendation that it should be rewritten, which never left Fujitsu and Fujitsu managers rejected that recommendation and decided to fix it on the fly. Now, although it was a particularly bad IT system, that's not to excuse the behavior of the post office. If you put a system which is shaky into a live estate, then normally under circumstances where it was causing problems, you'd be saying to uh, the shareholders and you'd be saying to the IT department, right, we need to fix this. We need to, our, our customers are having problems. Uh, our users are having problems. We need to fix this so that they're not having so many problems. The nature of the a contract that the post office had with its sub postmasters transferred all the liability for any errors in the horizon it system and their accounts onto the sub postmasters yet the post office and fujitsu were the ones who were control in control of the it system and it had this um terrible effect whereby sub postmasters would be forced to make good errors out of their own money in order to satisfy the contractual demands but it also meant that the post office had no incentive to go back to Fujitsu and say, look, we've got problems here because they weren't being properly identified. Instead, the post office would just say, well, it's not our problem. It's the postmaster's problem. They can make those discrepancies good and we'll just carry on as before. And it meant that the system stayed weak for years. And the tour that you're on now is going to give the inside story and a better understanding of what happened behind the scenes and you're going to have uh, a number of different people who were involved at different stages of this scandal who will talk to you so even if you know someone comes along to to one of the nights saying in the tour say for example uh, the literal garrick on the 24th of march yet they want to then come back to it and revisit it with another person who was actually part of that, then you you will get a different uh, night and you'll hear more from somebody else's point of view and perspective. So I, I know that Tajinder Batoy is your guest uh, for your uh, appearance uh, in uh, at 7.30 at the Garrick in Litchfield. So uh, tell us uh, a bit about Harjinder, first of all. Harjinder was someone who I didn't have a huge amount of contact with before he got his conviction cleared, but I subsequently spoke to him and I did an interview with him and it turned out that actually um, he had been following my work and, and, and been seeing what had been happening to the sub postmasters and realising that, that he was part of a much, much bigger uh, organisation than he previously thought. He, he thought, like so many other sub postmasters, that he was the only one having problems with the Horizon IT system. He was sent to prison for three years because of discrepancies in his account. And so you may remember on the 23rd of April, 2021, those huge uh, scenes outside the Royal Courts of Justice where so many sub-postmasters came piling out, you know, some of them waving their fists in the air. Hajindu was terribly overcome and you can see him being comforted by his father, crying his eyes out at the release of finally having his good name cleared. And one of the joys of doing this live event is that every single one I've done so far, I've been able to invite a sub-postmaster who was affected by the scandal to come along and talk to people about what they went through. And some find it quite a cathartic thing to be able to do, to have hidden away for so many years in shame and hiding from their communities because the, the post office had basically asserted that they were thieves, 
to then find a welcoming audience who are interested and engaged and want to know more about what they went through, it can create quite a cathartic and powerful moment in the room when we do this. And of course, every person is different. Every story is different. And the story is changing all the time, as well as telling people a bit of the history of the Horizon system and how badly it was procured and implemented. I can always bring the story right up to date because we've got the ongoing public inquiry and there are news lines coming out of that all the time. And now thanks to the drama, there are news lines coming out of the media all the time. Some new fresh scandal. We never seem to be more than 24 hours away from a, an, another thing that would just make you shake your head in disbelief or horror at what these poor people were put through. And so I can incorporate that into uh, the talk as well. And it makes for a very lively, up to the minute kind of feeling about it, as well as going over the, uh, the ancient history of the story as well, so that people understand the context of it all as well. Yeah, and I think that the context is the important thing. Um, it's uh, a real you know, sort of mind-numbing you know, concept that so many people could have been put through so much trouble and it wasn't you know, highlighted elsewhere. And someone with a, an overview couldn't pick up the fact that this was happening to so many good, honest people. Yet, yet in any profession, there are things that go wrong, but it, it should never, ever be considered to be on the scale that we're seeing here. And as you head around, you say you're bringing people in and having a conversation with a theatre seven over in Shrewsbury. You've got Tim Brentnell. That's coming up on the 14th of April. Then you're back in the Midlands again. I know you've got a date in Dudley Town Hall where Wendy Buffery is joining you on the 19th of April. And yeah, the sites are around about. And so it's it's the opportunity to to hear so many literally harrowing stories. And it broke up you know people's lives. We sadly have lost people to suicide because of this. Yeah, and we've also lost more than 60 people still waiting for compensation for what happened to them. I think one of the most egregious things of this scandal is that it went on for so long. I mean, we should be outraged by one miscarriage of justice. The fact that there are potentially more than 900 suggests a massive failure of corporate governance on an almost epic scale. The post office weren't counting how many people they were prosecuting. The courts were not counting how many sub-postmasters were passing through their doors. The union, the National Federation of Sub-Postmasters, did not hold a central record as to how many of their members were being prosecuted. Neither did the Ministry of Justice, neither did the Business Department, which owns the post office on behalf of the taxpayer. So there was a huge failure here to get a grip on what was going on, the scale of what was going on, and start asking questions about what was what what could be done about this because the post office managed to essentially prosecute hundreds of people at the rate of one a week over the course of 10 years without anyone interrupting or querying why they were doing it you say this is an ongoing story the show is evolving as you're making way around the chance to see from the inside what actually happened as part of this post office scandal. Uh, tickets for the Literal Garrick, literalgarrick.com. Uh, so you mentioned, uh, I've mentioned there, the your Dudley Town Hall on the 19th of April, Theatre 7, 14th. Uh, you're also playing in uh, Stairport. Uh, that's not too far away from us. So it's worthwhile checking uh, all the details for the whole tour itself. Uh, where do we find uh, info on, on, on the whole tour? All you need to do is go to postofficescandal.uk and there's a live events page on Post Office Scandal website and that lists all the dates that I'm doing all around the country. I think I'm pleased to tell you that we've just added another date to the Theatre 7. We're doing a matinee uh, as well as the evening performance and we're going to be joined by Mohammed and Rabina Shaheen who are uh, two people deeply affected by the scandal. Uh, Rabina had her conviction quashed again back in 2021 and they... 
had their home repossessed. Their, they, they ended up sleeping in a van for six weeks because they were technically homeless and, and didn't find anywhere to go as a result of what the post office did to them. They are slowly building their lives back together. But, you know, they, they're getting on and they really have suffered. But the way they tell their story, I do have a lot of affection for Mohammed and Rabina, and I'm, I'm delighted that they're going to be able to join me in Shrewsbury. Yeah, and uh, sorry, an opportunity to, to really explain how this not only should not have happened, but should never, ever happen again. Nick, I mean, congratulations on, on your work that you've done here. This is the sort of yeah, broadcasting and journalism we need to see more of, and, and it's so much harder to do in the way in which you would expect to do it in, in this internet age. So, uh, you know, I'm sure you have your own battles to do this sort of thing and be able to bring it to uh, an audience that uh, understands and, and hears what's happening. The post office scandal, the inside story, touring theatres across the UK, worthwhile seeing it on one of the several stops in the Midlands, as I say, that first one being the 24th of March at the Litchfield Garrick, and uh, a chance to have a greater understanding of something which we've seen both as a drama and literally the drama unfolding in our courts. Nick Wallace, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate it. The Valentine's Ladies' Night is getting ever closer. It is the ultimate ladies' night. It's the hangar in Wolverhampton. It's all taking place on Friday the 16th of February. Somebody who's going to be wowing the crowds, not only with their look, but also their words, is Linda Matthews. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad, thank you. How's your world? Is it all good? Yeah, it's not too bad. It's busy. nice and busy. It's nice to keep busy and... Uh... Yeah, not getting a minute to think to yourself when you've got a load of strippers chasing you around every five minutes, but it's great. <laughs> it's all part of um, life's rich tapestry, let's put it that way. So tell us about your act, because I'm already, as we um, speak, seeing flamboyantness around you. Yeah, so, um, well, uh, I've been a drag queen for the last 15 years. Uh, I am a live singing comedy drag artist that has worked all over the UK and abroad. Um, I well, I've got to work with some wonderful people in my time. Um, Joe Longthorn being one of them. Um, I've travelled length and breadth of the country most weeks, um, and this is this is my full time job. So I do nothing else other than create gowns, make jewellery, and dresses and wigs and God knows, whilst performing on the road. Well, looking absolutely amazing, even as we speak, and uh, we're expecting amazing things on stage. And it's about the humour that goes with this as well, isn't it? That's what really makes the world of drag come to life. Yeah, it is. I mean, to be honest, like, I grew up um, in a very, very different world to the world we kind of live in today, because um, I grew up with influences like Stanley Baxter and, you know, um, Danny LaRue, Michael Barrymore, those kinds of, you know, Saturday Night TV influences that mm -hmm. were just funny, funny for Paul O'Grady and the likes. And that's kind of where I modelled myself from. I was always around funny people growing up. And that's kind of where it all just come. You, you either, in this industry, I said, I, I'm a firm believer in you, you're either good at it or you're not. Because um, it's, it's something that you learn. You've got to have funny bones to be funny if that makes sense. It absolutely does. And the sass that goes with it is essential too. Yeah, bitterness is is, is one of those things that creeps in every now and again. You know, <laughs> you, you sort of uh, throw the throw the odd sort of sassy line at somebody and see what they come back with. Nine times out of ten, it's banter. But, you know, I get that more um, these days, more so with the men in the male audience and stuff like that, because um, I work all sorts of different audiences. But um, it's always it's always good having um what i i was i like to call it uh 
playing with a man's alter ego, if you like, or at least at least giving him um, a different a different outcome. They all come to the show and they're always really nervous. And then at the end of the show, they absolutely had a brilliant time. They loved it. Um, and I'm probably one of the funniest people I've met. No, it's, that's the you know that's the sort of comments you look for when you do this as a job because in the, in this day and age, you know, it, it's all about making it acceptable for everybody. Mm-hmm. But how was Linda Matthews born? Where did the name come from? Uh, so <laughs> I wasn't always named Linda Matthews. Um, I was known as Linda Legs for quite a long time because um, I used to work in Blackpool um, in a little place with the Funny Girls and um, Betty Legs Diamond was one of the people that sort of introduced me to the world of drag. Um, so I've been, I was, I sort of formed by pure accident, really, because I started out as a holiday park singer um and worked the circuit and i've done i've done many different boots the year to different people um but this this kind of just fell into my hands accidentally and i just sort of ran with it um because panto was always panto and theater was where i always wanted to be um and accidentally just fell into the mix and it never left well i mean your change in direction has been everybody else's gain with uh, the work that you do and uh, so I know you're going to be part of a hugely entertaining night. Now, this is the Hangar in Wolverhampton. It it's is. a brilliant venue as well. And uh, you've got strippers, you've got variety. It's just going to be great fun for everyone who's got an open mind and is over 18. Absolutely. I mean, you know, these these sorts of events are, they're, they are, they're, they're great. They just bring people together. And I know it's, it's a little bit um, of a difference because, you know, I, I've worked on the ladies' night circuit for many, many years. I've done hundreds of ladies nights with several different companies and you know in the last 15 years i've never done anything that's as exciting as this um this is a completely reinvisioned show it's something different that hasn't been done before uh you know we're not just we're not just another ladies night with a drag queen and strippers actually doing the whole thing in the most world show we've got circus acts we've got routines we've got group routines we've got absolute you name it it's been there and you know it's it's fresh it's exciting it's different for everybody to come and see um and and that's what i'm looking forward to most of all because i i retired from the ladies night industry for a while um i refused to do them didn't want to do them anymore and then Ant one day contacted me who's director of the show and said you know would you would you consider this and I, I will be honest. I took some hell of a convincing because I was a no from the from the game. Um, and he was like, "Just give this first show a shot, and if you enjoy it, then you can make a decision from there." And you know, we got talking creatively with all the guys, and and we visioned what we wanted it to be like. And and Ants from a circus background, I've been in performance all my life, and to actually work with that, that's as exciting as exciting about doing this as I was. Um, in a completely different format with a, a complete array of cabaret. It's not just, you know, drag queen and a stripper and that's it. You know, it's it's actually a full array of different stuff. We actually bring show a whole new meaning. It, mm-hmm. It's it's vibrant and it, it's it's fresh. 
Yeah, we've got BGT finally saying Lou joining you down there. You've got the circus acts, you've got the drag, you've got the strippers, you've got butlers in the buff, and no. you've just got an amazing evening ahead. It's going to be a treat. And most importantly as well, raising funds for stroke patients in the city of Wolverhampton with the West Park Stroke Patient Cycling Group. So there's going to be a raffle down there doing That's all of that. So it's a bit of something for everybody. We say it's over 18s. Uh, it's, a, it's a ladies' night. Expect some extreme I fun. Say, I say ladies' night. I say ladies' night is open to uh, the LGBT yep. male community as well. Um, you know, for anybody that wants to come along um, and enjoy the show, or things they'd be up for a bit of, you know, cabaret, Cirque du Soleil style drag. It's, it's going to be so exciting. I, I, I like. I'd, I'd hope to see everybody there. If you haven't got tickets, I would certainly suggest you get them. Because if you've seen a ladies' night, I can promise you this, you haven't seen one like this. No, search for the Ultimate Ladies' Night on Facebook. Get along to skiddle.com and search for Ultimate Ladies' Night, Valentine's Ladies' Night Show. You'll get your tickets that way. Uh, they are just going to be an amazing time. Over 18s only. Other than that, say so you bring an open mind and you go away with a, a smile in your heart. I think that's how it's going to work, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a completely, you know, you come in, it's an attitude-free environment. There is no place for egos or anything like that. Just come in, have a really good time, enjoy yourself, keep your eyes open and just prepare to be amazed by what's about to happen in front of you. Yeah, and in more ways than one. That's all I'm saying there. But get me sure Absol- bring some- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Bring some cash for the raffle though, because you want to be raising funds for the stroke patients. Oh, most, the def- most definitely bring some bring some cash for the raffle, especially if, if you want a stripper dancing all over your body, maybe. Who knows what could happen? Yeah, all going to be interesting. Linda Matthews, <laughs> drag star, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Now, new research from Premier Inns has told us we get those tickly butterflies in our tummy before some big events. Somebody who's used to putting himself in front of a lot of people when he's out on the road is Jack Skipper, comedian. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm very well, Jason. How are you? I'm coping uh, just about. No butterflies talking to you because you're an all-round nice bloke. But it can be a bit tricky sometimes when you've got uh, new places to go, people to meet, or you know, massive shows to do in front of several thousand people. Oh yeah, it can it can, it can be very very nerve wracking. I mean, I think public speaking. I think it's people's number one fear, isn't it? But if you if you if you add trying to make them laugh on top of that, very scary. Bit of a difficult one. I mean, you've got your notes, you've worked out uh, an act, but do you still get nervous when you go out in front of several thousand people? Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But I, th- I think I think you need an element of nerves. You can't not have nerves. That's, that's you know that's what it's the it's the fuel. It keeps you keeps you going. You know, but it's just it's learning how to to manage them nerves. I think is uh, is important. Well, a good night's sleep is a good starting point. So if you're going anywhere, I'm sure you're a premier in the night before. But there's also other things that we can do when it comes to having the the right mental outlook to these things. Yeah, of course, of course. It's um, yeah, just just say well, the good night's sleep, obviously. Uh, but I mean, on that, like in this research premium, there's like they, it's sixteen uh, percent of people get less than four hours sleep a night before a big event. That's quite. I mean, that's not good, is it? So you need to not make really. sure that you need to make sure you're, you're relaxing. And I mean, there, I mean, there's a lot of two thirds of people has got these rituals and superstitions. I don't know if you have any of these, but there's some people have some bizarre things they have to there's one guy on my socials i asked him he has to have a, a sugar cube in his left pocket before any speech that's weird that's a weird one isn't it i mean yeah. I, I have i have got them myself but they're not only 
But, but no with, sugar cubes in your no, repertoire. No, no sugar cubes. No sugar cubes. Mine, mine just, mine just mainly revolve around uh, the Rocky soundtrack and Lucky Pants. Well, that's that's always good, and and obviously copious amounts of products in your hair to make sure you look good when you're headed out on stage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's, that's all about that. <laughs> <laughs> but is, is there anything that you've sort of done in the past and stopped doing, and it didn't turn into a disaster? Uh, well, that's the thing. Now, the whole thing with these these rituals and things like that. There's I've actually zero proof that any of this works. So it's it's absolutely ridiculous to be honest. I don't. There's there's no point. So I'm trying to wean myself off of having any ritual i think i've even like done worn the lucky pants and and not done well so there's, a, a, there's proof that it doesn't work <laughs> well, depends on the washing powder you used as well doesn't it yeah exactly exactly can make the difference <laughs> but uh, with uh you know the excitement of uh, when you are heading out and about and so it at the moment you're doing sporadic gigs here there and everywhere and do you find that if you're playing a, a venue you haven't played before it's a little more nerve-wracking than one you have yeah, hundred percent. I've learned I've learned to do this thing where it's like have zero expectations before I get there. Because sometimes you can go in there thinking, you know, you don't want to make you want to set play the room you, you've been given. You know, if you go there with any sort of uh, thoughts of how it's going to be, you, you you're gonna you're gonna screw yourself. Really, you can't really be doing that. You have to make sure you're ready for anything in your yeah. gig. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that is one of those things. But if somebody's maybe looking towards a job interview or something like that, yeah, there, there, are, it, there are other things like prep that can get them ready for it and knowing what they need to about the company they're going to. Yeah, I think that's it. I, you know, I think it is. I think it's about swatting up, knowing knowing everything you've – getting all the knowledge, getting it all in there. Then when that's all in there, that's going to stay in there. Then you can just relax after that, find something that's going to you know, get you a bit of mindfulness. Like I, I, do, I do a bit of colouring in before I go on gig. Inside gig or outside the lines? I try I try my best to keep inside. But depends on how nerve-wracking the gig is, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. My, my, my eight-year-old daughter is better than – me at colouring in to be honest so. <laughs> you get less practice I'm going to guess so that's probably yeah, the yeah. reasoning behind yeah. it yeah have, have there been any surprises for you when it comes to yeah, the, the likes of nerves where you thought everything was going smoothly and then as soon as that spotlight descends on you that's it the knees go yeah, no, it happens sometimes. Warm-ups are very important as well. Make sure you're, you're warmed up. I've had it where you say sometimes you have to travel really far to get to gigs. You can be doing like four-hour drives and you realise that you haven't spoken for a while. I mean, the first words you say are when you're on stage and you realise, oh, your, your voice sounds weird, you know? <laughs> You've got to make sure you're, you're vocally warmed up and physically warmed up. And are you a, a connoisseur of the, the Premier Inns? Obviously, they're, they're all to an amazing standard. But have you got a favourite? I stayed in a really nice one in London no, a couple of weeks back. I don't, they're all really good. I stayed, I stayed one in, in, in Manchester, Piccadilly, last week. That was, that was lovely. That was a particularly nice one. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you were down there for the breakfast as well? Down there for the breakfast. Has to be yeah, done. I'm there. Oh, 100%. You can't, you can't miss the breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and with the the, uh, the heading out and about at the moment, I mean, do you have uh, you know, particular comedy clubs you enjoy playing? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's loads. I was, I, was in, I was in central London last night. I was at, uh, it's called Top Secret Comedy Club. I, I really enjoy that one. Um, I'm starting to do more theatres and things like that. So they're, they're all great. But you can still, I mean, you can still have gigs in pubs that are fantastic so i just i love i love getting here there and everywhere doing them all and uh i do ask you about your worst or your best gig let's go for your best gig which which one have you enjoyed the most let's say positive um I, I not so long ago i did i did the hackney empire and i was i i, I was i was standing in the wings and this was like one of them pinch yourself moments i was there with uh jack d to one side of me and harry hill to the other side of me and that was one of them moments where i was like oh my god this is this is amazing i mean i'm, li I'm li living the dream do you know what i mean 
<laughs> but I mean, you do share stuff all over the socials as well, and people can also go there to see where your latest gigs are, and then try and work out which premiere in you're staying close by, so they can spot you on the way down to uh, get a croissant. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll be a premiere near you. <laughs> where are you on the socials and where do we find more on the premier in research uh so if you want to find me on socials it'll be at, at mr jack skipper uh on instagram and tiktok and if you want to find out more uh, from the premier in you can go to premierin.com forward slash big moments you can check out all those moments in our life which say so may make us a little nervous but that all important good night's sleep can make a massive difference try and get more than four hours i know if you're a premier in it's you you're just gonna be out like a light aren't you exactly exactly Jack, love to speak to you. Thank you for joining us and uh, happy heading out on the road. You too. Take care. Thank you. Coming up on the 15th of February, it's once again time for Hugger Pets to welcome loads of people through their doors as part of a community fun day. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Mike Dixon. Hello, sir. Hello, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I hope we find you well. Yeah, yeah, not too bad at all. Thank you. So, tell us what you have in store for us. Oh, great! Yeah. So, on the on, on the fifteenth itself, as you know, we do our we we're doing an open day. We do uh, generally try and do a few of them a year. So it's like a free event everyone can come to and see some animals and find a bit bit more about us. Um, obviously, we've got the sensory room. So on the afternoon when we open the full event, um, the, people can go in there and see what that's about and speak to our community team. On the morning. We've got some uh, Ascend Family Fun Day, which is um, which is on the Hugger Pets in the Community website, and you can book tickets. So it's more of a controlled environment, so that children with those issues aren't sort of overawed, and it's 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 a it's a controlled thing. So that so it's making the provision for everyone really, so they can all everyone can have a good time. So that's going to happen in the morning, and then in the afternoon we're going to have it so it's it's open to everyone, um, so everyone gets a good chance to come in, but in a in a way that they're comfortable with. Um, so yes, yeah, so anyone with a send family need can check Huggle Pets in the community that code you can and book tickets to attend that event. Um, and then obviously in the afternoon we'll be posting on the Huggle Pets uh, Facebook page and more information about that the general bigger event uh, that everyone's of course welcome to. Yeah, and that's when I'll be long after midday. Uh, we'll be broadcasting live with Wolverhampton today between 12 and 3. Uh, chance to meet up with loads of people down there and uh, yeah, have a natter with some of the people who pop in because you've got regulars who not only come to, to buy pet supplies, but also to enjoy things like the pond room and maybe regular users of the, the sensory environment uh, and, and all of that uh, amongst the fact that you keep changing things up. Nothing stands still down there, does it? No, no, we've, um, well, in time for that, uh, fingers crossed, we're doing a little revamp of the um, the uh, fish tanks in the main section of the middle of the store. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to unveil them for the for the fun day as well and people can see them and they're, they're quite cool. Uh, they're a little bit different to normal ones, I, sh I should say, so people can come down there and see what that's about when we, we get it all kicked off. But yeah, we're always doing something. Because um, not everything's for sale down there, is it? There are there are residents no. as, as well yeah, as yeah. Uh, as products and and correct, pets. Yeah. yeah, so all of our animals that are involved in our therapy classes, they're they're permanent residents, and there'll be a lot of those that um, can be seen on the day as well. So yeah, it's it's there's always something, and obviously as we've said before, uh, people can just come down, have a look, pick our brains on advice for products for their pets, or if they're interested in getting pets, there's no pressure. Um, Definitely is somewhere you can just come in and sort of just have a chat and a chinwag if you need to. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it's if you, if you've got a cat or a dog, or you're looking for a cat or a dog, it's cat and dog supplies. No cats and dogs, but Correct. pretty much anything and everything else in some way or form. I think. Yeah, yeah. So the, if it's small furry animals, we've obviously got our permanent residents, um, but we we don't have obviously they're not for sale. But reptiles and fish, we do have all those and pond fish as well. They're all all those type of animals are for sale. Yeah, as well. And uh, no, I I love meeting up with the was it was it tortoise or terrapin I met last time down there. It got a shell. Tortoise. I remember that one. Yeah, tortoise. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, and that they are just they're so relaxing. It, it's yeah. it's such a different style of life if you've got a shell, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, yeah, uh, it's very calm life in it for those. Yeah, they're brilliant. <laughs> so a lot, lots to see and do. And uh, I know that you work with your uh, partners uh, within the industry to also you know, do offers throughout the year as well. And it's always worthwhile checking what's going on on the on the website for that sort of thing too. Yeah, absolutely. Just from the other side of things, if you've got a pet, yeah, we, we stock uh, over nine thousand products, so we should have something that will cover your needs. Um, so just, yeah, by all means, come in, have a chat with the team and we should be able to help you out. And if there's something we haven't got, we can usually get it. So just, just let us know and have a browse on the website, see if there's something there for you as well. You can do and a click and on the website. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, and I think there's the eBay sales still going on. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's different bits everywhere. So you'll, you'll see us, if you Google us, you'll probably see us popping up on all different websites, but the store's always, um, the best, the best place mm-hmm. to get the, the best deal, so to speak. Obviously, when we're selling things online, things like postage and whatnot are built into it. So, um, in store on our own websites, the the sort of the best value you can get. And it does give you that chance to walk around and see everything else there as well. I mean, the the pond room is just phenomenal, and uh, it's it, again, it's one of those sort of chill out spaces. I I, I, I was uh, I enjoy sitting there and looking out to sea and, and and seeing all life go by that way. But you can do almost pretty much the same thing in your pond room, can't you? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is really relaxing, and that we do a little thing now that we've started where. You can go to the till and get a, a little pound, which goes to the community uh, projects, but you get a bit of fish food, so you can go, go feed the pond fish. Um, so that's a cool little thing that people could do if that's something that interests them. So that's something else you can do down there. Oh, can, I, can I feed the fish on there on the 15th? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. so th- Thursday the 15th is when it's all happening in February. That will be slap bang in the middle of uh, the half term, won't it? Yeah, that's right. So it's, again, it's a free event you can do with the kids and, you know, everything, especially early part of the year. We know everyone's got a lot of rising bills and different things. So it's something you can come down and just do for free. Yep. There's there's never any obligation to buy it. Although if you do need something, get, check it out whilst you're there. You'll probably find it's a pretty blooming good price as well as uh, uh, the fact that you're, you'll be there in the first place. So do check that out. And say so the great stuff, whatever pets you have, you'll be able to find supplies down at Huggle Pets. So give us all the details again, because as we mentioned, 10 through 12, was it? We've got the, the send event. And then after that, it's uh, a free yeah. for all when people want so, to come down. Yeah. So basically go online if you want to book tickets to the send event, which is a, a, an enclosed event. And then from about 1, 1 p.m. onwards in the afternoon, it'll be open to everyone, just giving the chance for the families to uh you know finish their finish their session and get out uh, get out of the rooms and everything without big crowds around so that's the plan so it's, we're going to kick off the open event from about 1 p.m in the afternoon we'll run that till about three o'clock mm-hmm. okay and that web address again so it's hugglepetsinthecommunity.co.uk if you want to book tickets for the send event and then um obviously to see everything else um and all our, all our information on the pet side is just hugglepets.co.uk
I'll turn up Cooper Street, Wolverhampton, and yeah. uh, it's uh, just be sort of behind the uh, the, the Mama Green Dog Track and uh, that sort of area of the, of the city. You'll yeah. know it if, if, as soon as you, you you head that way. Oh, it's there! That was my reaction. Oh, it, it's there when I first came along. Sandwich between the tram lines and the uh, Mama Green Track, basically. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Well, Mike, looking forward to seeing you on the 15th. Uh, thanks again for being one of our partners down here at WCRFM. And I, I, it's, it's going to be a, a good time and enjoyable for all who attend on the, uh, the sort of family events and open day on the uh, 15th of February. Cheers, mate. Thank you. See you then. Now, when it comes down to the world of work, people often change direction. Nobody more so than Sean Wilson, who's been uh, Martin Platt in Coronation Street and now is running a cheese company. Uh, to tell us more, he joins us alongside Anthony Clark from the AAT. How are you both? Very, very good. Very, very good. Nice to speak to you. Well, good to speak to you. Glad to have you along. So, first of all, uh, Sean, when it comes down to it, uh, I mean, 30 years in the world of Coronation Street, there, thereabouts, um, they are still existing in the uh, in the world of Corrie, I believe. Uh, but uh, as it goes, I mean, you took a, a major change of direction, what, about 15 years ago? And uh, this, this must have been a, a bit of a shock to the system when it comes to going from acting through to the, the world of running a, a cheese company. Uh, well, you know, it's one of those things, um, uh, Jason, that uh, I had the passion. Anybody that knew me knew I was going to become involved in the world of food. It had been part of my life uh, while I was relaxing uh, at home after, you know, being in the studio for all those years. Um, so, yeah, I was trying to prepare myself for uh, a world in the in the food industry. Went to work in a Michelin restaurant for a while. Uh, uh, long story short, interest, uh, I was introduced to a Lancashire cheesemaker who needed to teach somebody. We got on very, very well. And uh, next minute, I'm in his dairy. And essentially, I was his apprentice for a couple of years. And this is where the Saddleworth Cheese Company uh, comes from. And, I mean, when you're coming down to run a company like that, though, uh, you you really need to have all sorts of things in the background. Now, as an actor, you're used to having to fake a lot of things. This is very real world. You need to be able to do your accounts. Oh, yes, yes, very much so. And, you know, there are two sides to, to my angle, I, I guess, that uh, I had the passion uh, and, and, and and you didn't have to be in my company for long uh, to know that I had the passion for it. But did I have the acumen? Uh, you know, I, I even had a business advisor who would, uh, we would, uh, we came up with a way forward where I could present myself into the business world to the distributors with a licensing uh, uh, commitment. But um, but really, you know, was I set for cash flow? Was I set for uh, um, uh, extended conversations with the tax office? Was I was I prepared for uh, um, big conversations with the banks? No, I was not really. You know, I left school pretty much, stepped into ITV. Uh, so I just had my math skills, and I needed more. And this is where <laughs> we. This is why we're here today, really, just to explain what the AAT can bring to, to either school leavers or people thinking uh, uh, about uh, job changes, more mature people like myself. Uh, you know, there's 6.9 million Brits who are considering a career change in 2024. 6.9 million people. And there's 21% of those who don't know really the first steps to take. 
So this is why we're here today. Uh, having a, a good financial background is is you know, good for any company. It helps you work your way through. Obviously, uh, Sean's uh, familiar face will have helped him with the commercial side of things, but that isn't the only thing he had to count on. No, 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 not at all. And uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Anthony and I are here just to uh, to help people um, towards just coming to decisions. Either you're a school leaver and. You, you you have pressure from your parents, you know, you need to go to university, but there is another side, you know, you can go to university for these three years and you can create a, a, an amount of debt. So you will come out with a degree, hopefully, but equally on the other side of the coin, you could have been working for a company. You could have been showing the, uh, the employer that you want to take a, a bigger interest in your career and you want to take an AAT qualification uh, that you'll start maybe on £20,000 a year. But when you're in your third year, you'll probably be, be looking at more like a 50k a year. Uh, so you're already working. You're learning accountancy through osmosis. Isn't that right, Anthony? <laughs> yeah, it is indeed. And Jason, it's... Uh... It's an interesting one, as you know, as Sean's already referenced. So many people looking at um, potentially changing their their career this year, just shy of seven million. And we see at AAT uh, through our accountancy qualifications, thousands of people every year taking that step to either get on the career ladder within accountancy. There's huge demand for accountants out there at the moment, so uh, accessing AAT's practical qualifications that really give you those real world skills for the workplace, very much in demand. But additionally, those that um, potentially in Sean's position, I'm, I want to set up my own business in order to do so. I don't necessarily need to become an accountant, but I need to have a really good, strong understanding of finances, especially in those early years. Having that good financial acumen really allows businesses to to thrive and to survive. So um, we see that in a number of instances, students will uh, apply those skills into setting up their own businesses or indeed they can go on, become an AAT licensed member and uh, and set up their own accountancy practice. So mm-hmm. lots of options for that, uh, for those that are looking to change careers. Yeah, these, are, these are qualifications which work for you um, yeah, if you are working for somebody else or yourself. And there's different levels that people can go for here because if you say, if, if you're running a business, you might be running on, on a, an ERP system, Sage, something like that. Uh, but you still need to have a good understanding of what these systems are doing behind the scenes. You certainly do. And, you know, technology is massively changing the way that accountants operate now. Uh, I do want to make it clear accountancy, that old perception of people people being locked in a dark room, putting numbers into a spreadsheet, couldn't be further from the truth. And um, the way that technology is changing and uh, the utilization of various softwares, but still needing to have that really good firm understanding. And this is what AAT qualifications do at the early levels is make sure that, okay, the technology is doing all of this, but are those numbers right? It's about helping people to to be um, sort of the critical thinking side of things to understand and to question the numbers, to spot mistakes and to make sure that businesses aren't losing money or indeed making making mistakes because the uh, the technology is not quite doing what it needs to. Um, wider than that, there's, um, there's things like sustainability, communication, ethics embedded into the AAT qualification. So it's really giving people that that broad skills base, um, that combination of 
sort of technical accountancy skills alongside those wider business skills that's helping to set them up to be successful um and that can be from anybody that's a career changer through to um through to school leavers that are now making those choices about next steps um Mm -hmm. and you know as we've seen in the research there is a lot of pressure on young people um to go to university over six and ten do feel that pressure We've seen um, over the years businesses investing more and more in school leavers, in apprenticeship programs, bringing people into their business from an early stage, developing them through AAT qualifications, but then also helping them to develop those those business power skills that are going to add value to those technical qualifications. So the ability to communicate at high levels, the ability to work with people, combining that with the qualification Um, And it's really, really important where people are making that decision about whether it's university or apprenticeship to to use all of the different resources that are there for them to, Mm -hmm. to make an informed decision. Absolutely. And and Sean, I mean, in your time on the cobbles, I um, mean, you saw a few local businesses. How do you think uh, the likes of Mrs. Baldwin would have got on if he'd actually done some uh, accounting training with the uh, AAT? Uh, well, if his accountant uh, was in the role of his return every afternoon, then he would have got on with him very well. It would have made all the difference, wouldn't it? But, uh, but it is interesting, though, when when you do take such a change. I mean, what did your colleagues think when you first told them, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm disappearing, uh, I might pop back, but for now, I'm, I'm going off to learn cheese? Uh, well, nobody was surprised. Anyone that knows me really well, uh, Jason, um, uh, they, they were they was like, oh, okay, uh, I, can see, I can see the progression curve there because I was big into food big into cooking, big into the science of food. Uh, and it, it was my next step, really. To, I could only step into the professional world. But it's, it's about taking that passion and turning it into a business. And yeah, you know, p- business owners are always passionate people. And it, it, sometimes it, it can seem that uh, numbers might uh, elude you. But as you said, you had a, a maths background from uh, what would be your O-levels, judging by uh, your age. You're just a little bit older than me. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know that that would have uh, you know given you a grounding, but it's a, it's in knowing how to use that, and it, it's through a qualification like the uh, that you're looking at here that uh, with the Association of Accounting Technicians that you can actually start to see uh, the, the the magic behind the scenes, and I assume that that sort of thing is is what's helped you go from strength to strength over what one and a half decades now. Well, yeah, I guess so, and uh, really, you know, in uh, colloquial terms, it's a no-brainer. For me, it would have been a no-brainer. If I'd have known about the AAT, I'd have been straight onto the website. aat.org.uk forward slash qualifications. And you can find out everything that's there, see how it could help you. And it's like, it, it doesn't matter what age you are. You could be someone who's you know, 16, 18, looking at uh, going into to training for the start of your career. It could be that career change where you need to have a good financial background to allow you to work with it. Uh, or it could just be that uh, you're getting older and you maybe have a little more time to get involved in a, a charity group or something through your, your church or other organisation. And having a financial background could help you run the accounts for that. And and it, people that you do qualifications for pleasure. Um, and, uh, you know, th- th- this sort of thing, again, it all fits, doesn't it, Anthony? It certainly does. Um, I think if you look at the, you know, just how many different types of people AAT qualifications and memberships touch every year, it's that there's an underlying desire. I want to have a better understanding of finances. I need to build my financial acumen, whether that be for, um, for a young person leaving school and wanting to pursue a career um, all the way through to business owners 
or indeed generations that, as you've just mentioned there, Jason, that may be helping out with the charity. Do you know what? With a little bit of uh, maybe with a bit of bookkeeping knowledge, I can add value and really help this charity. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we've got A80 students from, you know, from completely opposite ends of the of the generation scale, but all using those qualifications to to make a difference. And that's what uh, that's what we're here to do. Give us that web address again. It's aat.org.uk forward slash qualifications. Sean, where do we find your cheese emporium? Uh, so um, all my cheeses are um, kind of, they're artisan cheeses, so they're at more specialised cheese shops. And the one that I kind of uh, tell people is that the, the Crosby Cheese and Charcuterie Shop, who are online, uh, you can make your order and receive my cheese the following day. That sounds like the right way of doing it. I need cheese. It'll be here tomorrow. It's going to work, and it's going to be quality as well. Well, Sean Wilson, uh, former actor, now cheese merchant, and Anthony Clark, business event manager at AAT, thank you for joining us. No, you're very well. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Back with episode 764 next week. I'll see you then. Good off for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar Goodbye from the milk bar Goodbye from the milk bar yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar yeah.